My name is Andrew Bustamante, and this is Everyday Espionage. Espionage can be a strange cocktail of contradictions. In this second-to-last episode of Season 3, we are talking to my wife, Jihee, who is a former covert CIA intelligence officer, like me, but also my exact opposite. She is my opposite in gender, in personality, in skin color, in personal interests, and even Netflix recommendations, but the contradictions that frustrate our marriage day-to-day made us uniquely qualified to tackle some of the most challenging missions in international espionage. And in this episode, Jihi explains how contradictions became the foundation for many of CIA's greatest heroes. There's an interesting story that I would love for you to tell about the person who replaced you (laughs) on your first overseas assignment. How were you chosen for that assignment? And then when the time came to replace you, how was that person chosen? So I was working in a small office, and I'd made it clear that I wanted to serve overseas. And the office had a number of posts they were looking at, and and finally they they offered me one where I I fit the requirements. And so I served and did really well in my overseas post. And about six months before my, my tour was over, they announced that the new person was going to come out. She was coming out early. So we were going to overlap for a number of months, which was very unusual. And so they brought her out, and uh, we started asking her, you know, how did you get the position? Because I knew all I knew all the people, all the targeters who were in the office. So I knew what the competition looked like. I was just curious, how did she get the assignment over some of the other individuals who were really impressive? So let me translate this into direct speak. <laughs> you were a good targeter. You knew the talented targeters. Yes. And the person who was assigned was, was not a talented targeter. Was not one of the people I knew. Was not one of the most competitive people for the job. Correct. That is correct. So yes. here you are kind of very politely yes. asking her how she got the position. And over some conversations, it came out that the there were two managers who owned two groups of targeters. And uh, they were the managers who created the, uh, the internal job description that a targeter had to meet in order to fill the position. And they had their favorites, but they were competing. And so over time, they started to change the job descriptions so that it started to knock out the other team's people one by one. And in the end, the targeter who came out to replace me was, was at the last person left. The bottom of the list <laughs> of people they wanted, but she just so happened to meet all of these minor requirements that they had shoved into the to the job requir- requirements and she was it. She was the only one left. So it wasn't because of merit that she received the position. It was just because she had kind of been there long enough to check all the little boxes that they added in. So as these two groups of of targeters as the managers for these two groups basically sniped the other group's top person Correct. and shot them off the list. What was left was the one person that neither group actually wanted to have fill the work, fill mm-hmm. the role. 
Yes. And I, I feel like that's such an interesting example of that world, that CIA world that happens behind the scenes that you never see in a movie, that you never hear about in an article, because that is how, that is how it works. And why is that important? Because that's how it works in every industry. That's how it works in corporate America. People compete. They have their favorites. There are godfathers. There are people who ride coattails that take that as far as they can take that. And we all know what that feels like. The same thing happens even at the most elite intelligence organizations in the world, Mm -hmm. that there is this challenge. There's this place where people will always be people. I'm not using it as an example to say that the agency is a bad place to work. The agency is a great place to work. Even with its normal corporate-ness, it still has phenomenal people and a phenomenal mission. But what's so interesting to me is that what makes the experience so powerful... Yeah, we're on the flight path today. That's... (laughs) That's interesting, right? For everybody out there who's an audiophile, you keep hearing airplanes fly overhead. I apologize. At least there's planes flying today at all, which I'll take. I'll take it. The the reason I bring this up is because the agency is an organization where you learn how to master the art of understanding people. And you watch these things happen, and everybody in the organization watches these things happen. And because they know that these things happen, the organization itself actually adapts to overcome it. So when she took your role, mm-hmm. much of what you were doing before was not given to her. It was redistributed to other people. Correct. Because they knew that the person coming in didn't have the same capabilities as you. Similarly, she was given roles and responsibilities different from what you had because she was better suited to some of those roles. I don't think you would have enjoyed any of those roles in the first place. So it's, it's interesting to me to see how an experience like that could be so devastating. It could be really uh, demotivating to someone to realize that they're being replaced by somebody who doesn't meet their qualifications and then to get bogged down in the politics of the office and then make them feel negative about the politics or negative about how the office environment or the office culture works when in fact it's just a data point Mm -hmm. to help you determine what are you going to do next and the what are you going to do next thing is so interesting to me because we ultimately chose to leave the agency so when i started with the agency the reason i wanted to get a federal job is because i wanted to be in one place and excel and rise up the ladder and make a difference for my entire life and get a pension. When I was hired at the agency, I thought, I am gonna work here 30 years and retire with a pension and serve my country and do the best that I can do. And what happened was that over the course of my time at the agency, I started out very idealistic, thinking that I can make change from the inside. I always had this theory, you know, since the time of, you know, high school, when I started thinking about what kind of job I wanted, I always thought, you know, that's like an organization has its problems. That's okay, because I'll get on the inside and I'll make changes. What I learned is that when you are part of a very large organization, it's not that you can't make changes, but the amount of effort that it takes to make changes requires great sacrifice from the individuals who make those changes. So we met amazing managers in the agency who were on a path to spend their entire careers there and were doing really, really good things and were really motivating and really positive and just making great, just small, great changes as they went throughout the agency. But they were making really big sacrifices at the same Mm. time. 
personal sacrifices by you know, spending tons of time away from their family, by having to travel a lot, by having to stay late after work, um, by having to work in offices that were so busy that they were just constantly in the office first thing in the morning, very late at night, up to professional sacrifices where they had to play this game because the only way to move up to get to the place where they could make more changes was to play the game. So it's not that they wanted to, but they knew that that's just the way the system works. And the system will continue to work that way until enough people move up that can make the necessary changes to make it work a different way. And I think, you know, selfish or not, we just weren't willing to make those sacrifices. Yeah, it's, uh, again, I I think it's interesting going back to a conversation that we had with Savage, where she talked about how there comes a point where you have to look at your goals and values and the goals and values of the organization and make a hard call about whether or not they're in line. And our goals and our values is what we wanted to be as parents and as a married couple were not in line with the goals and values of the organization at the time, which was going through a great deal of change and continues to go through a great deal of change as it tries to evolve itself for modern threats. And you're, you're absolutely right. There has to be a preponderance of change makers from the inside before change can be made, which is why so often in the corporate world, especially, you see change makers actually come from the outside. You see boards hire CEOs and other C-suite executives who come from outside the organization. You see a booming industry for management consultants to come in and basically pick apart a business's existing operation and make these improvements. I mean, places like Deloitte and Booz Allen Hamilton make a fortune by basically showing all the warts that a company has when they think that they're a good company. That is an opportunity that doesn't exist in government especially in a place as sensitive as CIA. CIA can't hire outside consultants to come in and say, hey, take a look at how we handle operations and tell us how we could do this better. We want a fresh set of eyes, but we can't get a fresh set of eyes on the inside because a fresh set of eyes comes with so many clearances and so much training that by the time they have the ability to understand what's going on, they're already indoctrinated. And as you go up that ladder, as you play that game, there's always the question of, are you playing the game or have you become a pawn in the set, right? And the fact that I had that kind of thought, that I took a path that, uh, yeah, I took a mental path, a logical path that some people would call uh, critical or uh, cynical, that was a big red flag for me that I knew it's time for me to, to take my skill set and my experience and try it somewhere else. Because the last thing I wanted to do was allow myself to lose track of how dedicated and professional and heroic the people are who serve at the agency every day. And when you get bogged down in the politics of your next position, that's exactly how you lose scope. That's exactly how you lose appreciation for the individual sacrifices that every person there is making. So you're right. I think that ultimately we chose to leave because it was what we wanted to do. But even though you, we took ourselves out of the agency, I don't think that we have been able to take the agency out of ourselves. Correct. I think we are still very much, even when we tried by opening a bounce house business, <laughs> even when I tried so hard to just leave the agency life behind, it's not something I can do. I'm just too wedded to the skills that we learned. They're too useful in our life right now. There's too much need in the world for us not to keep trying to maximize our impact. And I think that's why we're here doing this. I think that's why we're 
traveling the world, dealing with anxiety attacks, dragging our children, even though our son refuses to learn a second language. <laughs> he refuses it to our face to learn it at least, but he'll still talk to his friends in a foreign language. But we're, we're on this path because we care enough that it's worth the sacrifice. So in a weird way, I, I think I just said that we are making sacrifices that we originally thought we weren't going to make. Or have we found a way to sacrifice in a way that we accept? I think we're making sacrifices on our own terms. On our own terms. Well put. Thank you. You are going to make a hell of a senator someday. (laughs) Remember, I don't like to be the face. (laughs) (laughs) Change and sacrifice are two sides of the same coin. You can't have one without the other. But it is possible to do both on your own terms. CIA is constantly evolving, sometimes from within and sometimes by the threats that emerge outside. And in the evolution we see in world events, we also see an evolution in our individual lives. But if you don't choose where and how to change, then change can be forced on you from outside. If you can see the need for change and make that change that benefits you the most, then you will have a new level of control that is lost to others. You already know the change that you've been wanting to make. You already know the sacrifice that you will have to make in order to affect that change. But the only question now is whether you have the courage to change on your own terms or whether you are going to wait for change to be forced on you from outside. That is Everyday Espionage. Everyday Espionage is dedicated to one thing educating everyday people. I know that not everyone will listen, but those who listen will learn. If you learned something new today, click subscribe, review, and share the podcast with a friend. Find me on social media at Everyday Spy or on my website, everydayspy.com. If you are up for a special challenge, visit everydayspy.com forward slash operations and join me for an authentic spy training mission. And above all else, remember that knowledge is freedom.